You're listening to The Quad, a Killjoys podcast. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Annie. We're talking about Episode 7 of Season 3 of Killjoys, The Wolf You Feed. While we will talk about anything and everything from that episode, there won't be any spoilers for future episodes. We're going to start with some quick reviews of the episode, and actually we're going to start with Chris, who unfortunately was unable to be with us today to record, but she did send us her thoughts about the episode. Hey, Annie and Stephanie, this is Chris. I am so bummed that I can't be there to record with you guys this week. I have some family obligations that I need to attend to this weekend, but holy crow, what an episode. I mean, first of all, praise the trees for Michelle Lavretta because I feel like she has a tendency to give me all the things that I didn't know that I wanted because there's so much stuff that I didn't quite see coming, but is close to what I had suspected, if that makes any sense. And I think it's a lot of sort of ingenious plot twists, and I'm really digging it. This whole season, I'm I'm super into the show. I think it's great. How great is it? We found out what the connection is between Anila and Dutch. Wasn't what I was thinking, but this will work. This is crazy, and I really like it. Now I'm just kind of like, and I apologize in advance for this, is Dutch A-U Nila? And on that note, I say goodbye. So what do you think, Annie? You're more of a fanfic reader than I am. I feel like this is a good description of Dutch. She is like A-U Anila. Because it's like the author, i.e. the show, you know, they picked a moment in time oh. where yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the events diverged. And so this is... This is Anila mm-hmm. had none of that happen. So I, I feel like that's an, a, a good description of what Dutch is. Yeah, I'm still trying to process it all. Uh-huh. Because this episode left me with a lot of questions, but it was very intriguing and twisty-turny. Because Dutch goes in trying to relive Anila's memories, and she's so set on getting a tactical advantage. And then unexpectedly comes out finding out her own origins... So I still can't process everything that was revealed. So Anila can pull things from the green. Did Dutch come from the green? Is Anila Dutch's mom? No. Uh, sister, wife? No. Uh, child? <laughs> no. Thingy? No. I don't get it. <laughs> I like the idea but of, of Anila it. being Dutch's child. <laughs> Well, that's what I thought at the end of the episode. I was... So- no, wait a minute. Oh, Dutch being Anila's child. Yeah, wait. I'm so confused. Anyway, this episode was great, but just it blew my brain apart. But I loved it when Dutch's memories started started to cross into Anila's memories, and she started reliving her own. So that was a good plot device to reveal more about when Dutch had her wedding night and when she met Johnny, which is something I've been looking forward to since season one with the, you know, the way they described it, where she shot him and how that merged into the present day with Johnny looking for her. Oh, it was just, I loved it. That, that didn't disappoint me. And then the other plot with Dav struggling to lead the army and still having the fascinating new class structures set up where Fancy and the cleansed are now, you know, they're looked at in fear and, you know, they're looked down upon, but, you know, the army needs them and Dav's struggling to integrate them. And then he arrests her and I was shocked. And I was like, oh, that's going to come back and bite him in the butt later. 
Yeah, very solid episode, despite my confusion. Um, I just, I, I can't believe the season is going so quickly. I know. I was like, oh, it's just, I, I had that feeling last week too. And I'm like, oh my God, there can only be four, le- four episodes left. Now there's just oh, three. Oh yeah, that's, now there's just three. Well, that, yeah, can't count and I can't deduce today, obviously. <laughs> Cause it's me. Very, very little brain sometimes. So what did you think? You know, I I really enjoyed it. This episode, it connected so many of these different plot elements in really interesting and I think unexpected ways. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like anything that I learned in this episode felt like a confirmation. It felt like a reveal. You know, sometimes you can kind of guess at it like, okay, I feel like I know, I understand where this came from, et cetera, et cetera. But that that was not the case here. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like after seeing this episode, I have to go back and watch the entire series to really understand <laughs> it because I'm like trying to piece together all of these things, especially from season two. There was a whole lot of stuff revealed in season two, which I'm still kind of shaky on. I still have not had time to to rewatch. Uh, Orphan Black, why did you move your season to June? It has made it so busy. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even though we got a lot of backstory and answering big questions, I'm sure we'll t- try to talk about that and figure it out together here in a minute. I just wanted to point out that I felt we still got a ton of really solid character development. I love the different pairings of characters in this episode with Dutch and Zeph kind of over here doing their thing and then putting Davin kind of in the position that Dutch is usually in and him really rising to the occasion. I thought this was a really good storyline for Davin. And yeah, and yeah, and I liked the the kind of follow up to Zeph learning and growing and learning to work with the team and getting sort of Johnny's seal of approval for disobeying Dutch just enough to make sure they stayed safe. And I personally, I actually didn't really care for the flashback of Dutch and Johnny meeting, but I did really like how it tied into the real time conclusion. Johnny loves Dutch so much, he'll walk into a situation where he knows he's going to get shot, but because he's smart, he'll oh. wear a bulletproof vest. But still, I was like, he loves her so much. They love each other I so know. much. <laughs> I love those two. They're great. So, hit me with your questions, Annie. Do you understand <laughs> who Dutch <No>. is? <laughs> so, wait a minute. So, Klein said that that you can only put stuff in the green. You can't take stuff out. In terms of memories uh-huh. or things. Right. So, because it was really interesting. It was like a birthing scene mm-hmm. when Dutch emerged from the green. So, oh my God, did Anila create Dutch from the green the way Anakin Skywalker is created from the Metachlorines in Star Wars? Anila pulled Dutch out of her memories and manifested her as a real person? Yes. That's what I thought. <laughs> I just, I can't articulate it. But who was that little person in Anila's memories. Was that her as yes! a younger? Okay. <laughs> but she wanted, <sighs> because she wanted that someone person. that was, <laughs> yeah, well, it was a little person. <laughs> it was a whole little person. It's not like it was a baby. <laughs> so. <laughs> child. The word is child. <laughs> I'm just, my brain is so blown. So it reveals even more of Inila's unique properties with the green. Yeah. So, and she says, she's the me I would have been had I never gone to Arkin because 
Anila was so, I, I, I think it was really heartbreaking how this episode even more made me feel even more sympathy with Anila, <sighs> where you see her progression with Klein. And at the beginning of the episode, she's like, why do I still feel things? And oh, the way Hannah John Common interpreted that line out, it was, my heart broke. But And she's always begging Klein not to go, not to go. And how did that influence her to kind of take this step to create Dutch? Why was she so desperate for Klein to stay just because of the father figure that was the only person she knew? And she grew up in the silver box? Was that what was implied? <laughs> that was you. Who? Who grew up in the silver box? Anila. No, she did not grow up in the silver box. Okay. I still have questions about this, and it could be I'm not remembering a piece from season two. I didn't entirely understand why Klein put her in the silver box. From my understanding, was he put her in the silver box prison after she was experimenting on the humans in their lab and she killed all of them? I think that's what the progression was. That happened, and then he put her in the silver box, I think, to try to keep her safe. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. Now, why was she experimenting on all the humans with the green? Well, the way she articulated it was that she doesn't understand why it has affected her so differently than it affected everybody else. And The green. Yeah, because she was, she, she was talking about how those experiments demonstrated that the Holland goo doesn't bond to humans efficiently. I, I don't entirely know, but, you know, Klein has hinted in the past that she was becoming mentally unstable and dangerous. Like, at the end of that scene is where she says, you know, the green tells, she tells me I can't trust you anymore. Maybe that's why he yeah. put her in the silver box to protect himself. I don't know. That's true. But then why does the green bond to Anila and Klein? What is their, what is the difference with them compared to regular humans? Now I'm trying to figure that out now that you put it that way. Oh, they are humans. Uh, but yeah. what she said in that scene was that the, the goo perfects or it kills. So either it turns a person into a perfect specimen Holland. who yeah. then, yeah, a Holland who then lives forever or it doesn't bond to them at all and it kills them. Huh. I forgot about that. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, seeing Anila experiment again was quite chilling. Yeah, and you could see the progression of her becoming possibly bonkers, as Dav says. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But again, it's such good writing because I never expected to have sympathy for her at mm -hmm. the beginning of this season. So seeing her backstory revealed is fascinating. Well, and that certainly was not a, an origin of Dutch that we predicted, you know? <laughs> exactly. We didn't think that was going to come up in this episode. I mean, I guess technically she kind of is a clone, but not really because they're the same person, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're right. So it's not like she's just a manifestation of Anila's abilities with the green because she wanted supposedly a good quote-unquote representation of herself in the world because it seems like at that point Anila was aware of how much she had been corrupted or damaged where she considered herself the bad wolf mm -hmm. you know yeah I do always love those stories and how they integrate into the plot and how Klein you know he tried to use them to teach Dutch and Anila you know, as metaphors for their lives. But I don't think it quite went the way he expected this time. Yeah, we got a couple of references in this episode to the lady, which was first referred to, I believe, I know it definitely was referred to in the first episode of season two, 
at the end of that episode, you know, the Black Root, they come for Klein because he has turned on the Hullen at on mm-hmm. Arkin's Red 17, right? Yeah. Yes. So, turn on everybody. On to protect everybody, to protect Dutch. Yeah. And so, you know, the Black Root comes to get him. And as they are taking him away, as he's in that little frozen stasis pod thingy they say something like we're taking him to the lady and i believe oh, yeah now i remember that yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i believe we, we when we saw anila revealed we are kind of like okay so clearly she's the lady right but this episode demonstrates mm. she is not the lady and you know in the last episode gander mentioned how the holland are thousands of years old clearly you didn't think the power structure ended with anila so the lady seems to be a bigger bad than Anila potentially was now that Anila has kind of like been a neutralized as a big bat. She's not. She's a prisoner. Yeah, exactly. Now that she's a prisoner, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining that the lady could be higher up in the hierarchy of uh, those that are keeping Anila prisoner, those Hullen that are, um, they have a hierarchy within the green, I suppose. And I feel like the reveals in this episode it recontextualizes Klein for me because, you know, Klein did these things to protect Anila. He removed the pieces of her brain with these memories so that the memories wouldn't enter the green and the lady wouldn't find out and wouldn't come after Anila. It, and maybe that's a lie. Maybe he did it just to protect Dutch. I don't know. Uh, but Well, he says it was to protect Dutch. That was my assumption because he took out all the memories retaining to Dutch. So was he protecting just Dutch or both of them? I feel like he could have been protecting Anila as well, though, because she probably was not supposed to pull something from the green like that. Mm -hmm. And then it would reveal even more of her power over the green to this big bad, the lady. Exactly. So it could have been protecting Anila as well. It could have just been protecting Dutch. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, But I think it seems now, from what we saw of the extended version of Klein and Dutch's first meeting, the fact that he was ready to kill Dutch to protect Anila, but then he couldn't, he couldn't do it. So the fact that he then took Dutch away from the harem and raised her to be this fighting assassin type, that seems to me that he was raising her to protect her from the lady, you know, because he, mm. he was going to kill Dutch to protect Anila from the lady, it seemed like. So that's well, my understanding now. what stopped him from killing Dutch in that moment? I thought it was because he saw his daughter. He couldn't kill his daughter. Mm. Maybe he, yeah. too, wanted wanted a do-over. This, Yeah, that's true, because that's what Anila wanted. Maybe that's what she wanted for him. She called it a gift. Mm-hmm. It really is fascinating seeing how Klein seems to have had an incredibly long endgame and could see, you know, a hundred steps into the future, or not into the future, but just forward, that he does all of this before his death to protect Anila and Dutch. Mm-hmm. So he's known a lot of stuff has been up that's only being revealed now uh, for a long time, it seems. But I guess that's the advantage of living so many years. Yeah, and having access to memories through his connection to the the goo. Yeah, <laughs> I, st- yeah. I still feel weird calling it the green. I still think of it as the goo. But <laughs> well, there's so much goo on. Side note, there's so much black goo on Dark Matter and Winona Earp now, and I'm like, stop with the goo. We've had enough goo. The goo is bad. Nobody <laughs> touched the goo. So I needed to p- say it as the green just to differentiate because it's not all bad. It's fascinating. It can be bad. But yeah, I, I need to call it something else besides goo because goo is very traumatizing in my TV watching life now. I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> 
But speaking of Klein, what did you think of that memory of her wedding night that she saw? Yeah, I don't know, because I always thought, did Dutch kill her husband? Or that's what I always thought. Or was it an accident? Or No, he did... it had been insinuated before that Klein had killed her. Okay, I can't remember. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but that's why I had questions, because what we see in her memory is her finding his body, her husband's body, Mm -hmm. and then Klein comes in holding a knife, but there wasn't a clear link to me between her husband being dead and Klein. That Mm. memory, it feels like, was maybe purposefully unclear, and so Mm. it feels like there's maybe more to learn about what happened on that night. Maybe the lady or her, the Hullen had killed the husband and Klein intercepted before the lady could grab Dutch and that's why he told her to run. Maybe. Or, or hmm. could it, I even wondered if it could have been Anila's doing. Ah, why would Anila be there though? I don't know. I don't know. Cause that was my other question in regards to the reveal about Dutch's origins because Anila, who seemed fairly cogent when she gave Dutch to Klein, she seemed to have affection for Dutch when they were in yeah. the, the glass box together. You know, she wanted to give her father this gift. So why now does she seem to hate Dutch so much and has talked about wanting her dead and wanting her to be alone? Yeah, that is interesting, the kind of metamorphosis of her feelings. But I think that's, I don't know how much that's tied into why she created Dutch in the first place, where, you know, she really loved Klein as a child, and that was who raised her. And then it got to the point where she was so afraid of being abandoned, and she creates Dutch, and then gives her to Klein as a gift. But, you know, somehow her emotional state and her mentality gets corrupted uh, along the way. She wants Dutch to experience what she herself experienced all these years of being alone. And yeah, how did she get that way? My only guess is that she just became very jealous of Dutch getting to live the life that she wanted to have for herself, maybe. That's my only yeah. guess at this well, point. Well, how did she – I mean, maybe it's through the green, probably. How did she keep tabs on Dutch? How did she know what Dutch was doing and, and going out being a killjoy and all this stuff? I would imagine it would be because Klein knew. She knew. Yeah. Because of their connection true. to the to the to plasma. The yeah, that's true. <laughs> I figured – but yeah, it's um, quite. Anila has has such fascinating psychology. Going back to the wedding memory, just real quick. I don't know necessarily that Anila killed her her husband. I also wonder if Dutch might have done something, and she doesn't remember. I I don't yeah, know. That's that's what I'm guessing. Who knows? But it does seem to me like there might be more to learn about that night, as there always has been. But I feel mm-hmm. like even though now we've seen part of it. I don't think they've revealed everything that they intend to. Yeah. And I also just want to say in regards to Anila, I feel like I realized in this episode, since they were talking about the lady and who's the lady and Anila isn't the big bad, like, I feel like this is, if a show's going to do a red herring, this is how mm. you do a red herring, right? Yes. Because yes. so often with red herrings, it's kind of like, oh. It's very obvious. It's either very obvious or you kind of think, well, I don't care. That just sort of was mm-hmm. taking up time. So that, and then what was revealed, you're all, what? Yeah. It's like, I, that's boring. Who cares? Mm. But even though Anila is not this ultimate, necessarily an ultimate big bad for the show, she's so interesting and fascinating. Like, it doesn't yes. matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's not the big bad. What, what I just said, her psychology is fascinating. 
and her reasons for doing what she's doing. But somebody's manipulating her, but then Klein is trying to protect her. And then, oh my god, yeah. Killjoys has some of the most complex writing and world building, I think, I've seen in a show in a long time. I don't know if that initially might, like, you know, if you listen to the earlier podcast when we first started, I was talking about it going, I don't know if I know what's going on. There's these four worlds and what, what, and, you know, I still kind of say that to an extent. But <laughs> for people, it's just so many people, again, I can't stress enough now how underrated the show is and how yeah. more people need to give it a chance. And this is why, because as you say, this is how you do a red herring. This is how you create sympathetic characters from people you thought were the enemy and this is how you just you suck the audience in it's just so well done yeah well i remember what you said before at the end of season two you felt like it was a setup now for the war that's coming and now that it's here you know you thought you think it was going to be straightforward it's just not and mm -hmm. i love that yeah what did you think about dutch meeting johnny and her memory being revealed with that I don't Besides know. the eyeliner. Yeah. <laughs> what, I, you didn't like Johnny's dance moves? No, he was fine. Was he wearing eyeliner, though? Was that just me? or, or uh, did no, he... it was referenced all over social okay. media. It was pretty funny. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, something looks different about him. When it went to present day, he still kind of looked like on one eye he might have had some eyeliner. So I was kind of thinking... <laughs> I wasn't looking that close. Maybe, he's, maybe he just looks like he has eyeliner on all the time. Some people do. I think that they look like they have eyeliner yeah. on all the time, even though they no, have, don't. But <laughs> Aaron Ashmore doesn't. He's got such beautiful, clear eyes. I'm like, I would notice. I know. I feel like I would have noticed. I wonder if maybe he still had a little makeup left over <laughs> from shooting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway... You know, I, I am not huge. I'm not a huge fan of flashbacks that have I know. been I had you mentioned in before, like mentioned a, a, a moment before, and then we get we see what really happened. I often find them disappointing. It was kind of the same for me here. It was better in my head just as a concept than what we actually saw. Uh, but again, I did think that it linked to present day really well. I thought that was a good payoff. But the actual meeting itself, I, I could have lived without it. I liked it better in my head. Okay. Well, I thought it was really well done. And of course, seeing Johnny meeting Lucy was a highlight for me. Yes. You know, shall I speak in grunts? Lucy oh, was God. the best part. So, so funny. <laughs> Lucy was definitely the best part where she was calling him thief. Yes, thief? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was interesting how, because I'm so used to seeing him as a killjoy and being the good principled guy, but to see how he started out just as a thief who just needed to get off world because he'd done who knows what kind of illegal stuff, uh, I thought, you know, was really kind of fun to get a, that look into his past. Yeah, I'm hoping that that will be will bear fruit, essentially, that that will become pertinent story wise later on, because I don't know. Otherwise, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't really yeah. care about yeah. the flashback. <laughs> But that's personal I preference. Know, I, know. I know I know a lot of viewers really like to see such things. I'm just not one of them. It, it was something that was not designed for me. But that, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. I, I knew that when there was going to be a flashback based on the previews, I'm like, yeah, Stephanie, I don't think she'll. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew I would love it. So, you know, we all know what, what we like and what we don't like. But going back to um, Dutch and her finding out the reveal, again, that was one of... The best, most emotional moments of this episode, for me, besides uh, seeing the meeting between 
Johnny and Dutch and then it going into the present and then her waking up and just desperately grabbing Johnny. He's like, how did it go? And she just grabs him and hangs onto him. And it just made me want to cry because that, uh, I can't stress again and again, you know, how that's the heart of the series. And, uh, yeah, because I saw, you know, they had released stills from the, before the episode and I saw him and I saw that Dutch and Johnny were hugging and I'm like, oh no, it's going to be a really emotional scene again. So oh, that just tore me up. Before we move on to talk about Davin and his storyline this week, we wanted to mention what was going on on our other podcasts. On Tatiana is Everyone, which is our Orphan Black podcast, we are currently covering the fifth season of Orphan Black. It's about to come to an end. We've only got one more episode to to cover sadness, but you can listen to our podcast and weep with us as one of our favorite shows comes to an end. Uh, You can listen to it, find out how to subscribe at our website, tatianaiseveryone.com. We're also covering season two of Winona Earp on our multi-fandom podcast, Fanalysis. Chris and I are discussing episodes in small batches. So we have a second Winona Earp discussion that covers episode six through nine of season two. You can listen to it now and find out how to subscribe at askgenretv.com slash fan. Okay, let's talk about Davin. He had his normal hair back this week. I'm feeling better oh, that he's he? not a pod, pos- <laughs> pod person. He, you were correct. He had formal hair last week. This is his casual yep. hair. <laughs> his leader hair. <laughs> leader hair. <laughs> was on display this week. Is it more spiky? I can't remember. Yes. yes. Okay, that's what I thought. His formal hair was very slick down into the side. His his leadership hair is, is spiky. His formal hair requires more gel. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but I thought he had some really good stuff this week. Yeah. Again, I'm really impressed with how Killjoys develops all these secondary characters. I really loved how principled Davin was with sticking up for the cleansed and also making a logical argument once he found out, you know, they're the only people that can drive the ships or that can control the ships. So we need them. So it makes sense that we have to trust them. And they hate the Holland more than anybody He's arguing to Turin, so we need more people to win. So he goes, and he goes to Fancy, and I totally thought of Chris with this yay for Fancy boxing scene. Did it need to be in there? No, but it was awesome. So I was like, oh, Chris is going to like this. (laughs) And she tweets me back, because we were both tweeting at the same time. She goes, oh, yes, I do. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, more, I think generally on this show, just put everybody in sleeveless shirts all the time, more please. More arm porn. Guy Why? arm porn, girl arm porn, yes. <laughs> Why do they even have sleeves in the quad? I don't understand. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> you don't need sleeves in the future. <laughs> uh, but Fancy looked really good sparring mm-hmm. with uh, that woman. He looked really good. Yes. And <laughs> and I liked the storyline a lot with the cleansed. I, I thought it was probably very, very specifically drawing some parallels between the treatment of the cleansed here and how Japanese Americans were treated during World War II, how mm. Italian Canadians were treated during World War II, putting them in internment camps because they could be on the side of the enemy, even though they have not demonstrated themselves to be. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were doing something very purposeful there. I, I like that 
this was really Davin coming into his own and realizing that he was the one who had authority to stand up to Turin. You know, I think he's yeah. he's so used to being in a power structure, coming from the military, being in the rack. I think, he, you know, he thinks of Turin as his superior. He's used to following Dutch's lead. So it was nice to see him realize, wait a minute, I can do something about this. This is wrong, and I can do something about this. Exactly. And I think it was... Again, that's but that's his military mind working for him, where he can see the tactical advantages of having the cleansed, you know, work with them. And then also he can go, wait a minute, there's rule number 362, code 14, where I can, you know, <laughs> place Turin under arrest. And, uh, you know, again, that was a very um, Spartacus moment. I'll fight for Jacoby. I'll fight for Jacoby. You know, that was awesome, seeing mm-hmm. how uh, he made his argument and made it valid. Yeah, which going back to the cleansed, I was kind of surprised and yet pleased to see how they'd all banded together and they'd all found each other and went, okay, but we need to be cautious because people are afraid of us now. And again, this whole structure that they created around the cleanse, because you have to remember how many killjoys were missing from just the one rack mm-hmm. it was over. I think it was over know, 200. It 200? was a lot. I was going to say four, but yeah, it was a lot. And that's just. But that's just one rack and how many rack yeah. ships are there, even with the few that have been blown up. And mm-hmm. so how many, you know, cleansed are there throughout the quad and beyond that in the J? I actually was kind of surprised. I mean, maybe not surprised, but when Davin was talking to Fancy and Fancy was saying that the Holland ships could f- fly in unison they could be controlled by one pilot i kind of thought oh well there's their their answer because they respond to davin i thought it would just be davin would be in charge so i i liked though that he decided to try to recruit the cleansed to the team help with Mm -hmm. the ships and again davin just being principled and standing up for a disenfranchised group of people Mm -hmm. was was really just great to see him step into that leadership role but just to go to the end real quick, when Davin was having that discussion with Dutch and she was saying she still has doubts. And I was like, you know, wow, Dutch is still, that's why I love Dutch. She's still this, she's such a, you know, kick butt character, but she's still so vulnerable and not just emotionally vulnerable, but, you know, she just found out this huge, huge reveal of where she came from. Yeah. So she's in no shape to, take on this army, even if that's her ultimate goal. But I like that she handed the reins over to death. But yeah, it was a really heartbreaking yet awkward scene between the two of them. Because, you know, did she want to kiss him or what? I, I, th- I thought she would, because she was just so torn up in that moment and would look for emotional comfort from Dav and some sexual comfort as well. But I'm, I'm glad they didn't, because that would have just made it more complicated. Yeah, I, I'm glad that wasn't just me because I felt like in this, if they were going for this, it worked. It, but the way that they set the scene up, I felt like they were hoping we would think that they might kiss and maybe even have sex because they started out with Dutch standing in the doorway to her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that's where they're having this conversation. So we have like this bedroom of Dutch's right over her shoulder. I felt like she was looking at him in a very conflicted way where she kind of really just wanted to maybe kiss him and try to like, think about something else yeah, besides forget something else and use sex yeah. as an escape and and i i like how 
Johnny was mad at Davin at the beginning of the episode. He goes, well, wait a minute. I walked in on you kissing her. He goes, no, it was her trying to kiss me. And the same thing happened. I'm with you, though. I'm glad that they did not do anything in that moment. They've got yeah. a, they've got a, still a, a road back between the two of them to sort of get to where I think they could be on an okay ground. Because that, that, was, that was a big thing that happened between the two of them the first season. You know, yeah, you can't just no. bounce right back from that as a couple, even <laughs> if you really care about each other. And like you said, it's like Davin's being, you know, the adult one here. You know, how he's grown and he's matured and he's not just going to give in to his, oh, you know, I really want to be with Dutch kind of instincts like he would have done in the first season. Where he's the one saying, well, we need to step back because, you know, he doesn't want Dutch hurt more. He doesn't want to make this more complicated. They're in the middle of this war. Yeah, I'm really glad the show did not go that route. I am curious to see, though, what ultimately happens in regards to Dutch and her involvement in the war against the Hullen, because I did understand why she was at where she was at at the end of this episode, because she went in trying to tap into Anila's memories because she was hoping to find some tactical advantage. She was feeling badly that things had gone so horribly with trying to take back the racks that she'd lost so many lives mm-hmm. and diving into Anila's memories, it did nothing to help. You know, she didn't find the tactical advantage she was looking for. Instead, she found really upsetting and personal things about herself. So mm-hmm. I understand why she would feel like she was not prepared to take on that role right now. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, we still have three episodes left. I think there's a possibility that she will be able to take a place in the leadership of whatever's going to happen with fighting the Holland. Well, I definitely think she has a, you know, we see she has this link to Anila. And now I'm wondering, would they both somehow end up meeting and working together to take down the higher echelons of Mm. who's controlling this lady or who's controlling the Holland or the green, you know, that'd be really fascinating because then the war wouldn't be anything like what she thought it would be. You know, you think it's to defeat Anila, but now that there's this huge reveal about Anila's character that puts the whole different perspective on it. And now that there's this reveal about Dutch and where she comes from. Yeah. I just, you know, it's very obvious. These two have a very unique connection. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm waiting for them to physically meet. So not just in the green or whatever, but to be face to face. And I guess we'll have to wait and see when we next see Anila again, because now that we know she's a prisoner, she's not completely in control of the Hullen and what they do. What exactly is the state of the so-called war against the Quad? Because it seemed Mm -hmm. like it was Anila's ties to that area that really had her focused on it. And it didn't seem like that Gander thought it was that important. Exactly. He was trying to be like, I thought we were done with this. Can't we move on now? And then, you know, what seems to be more important is this whole pregnancy thing with Delsea. And again, are the Helen, because it was mentioned again, I'd forgotten this fact that Helen can't breed. So there's obviously they've found some way to breed or do something. Yeah, I I had forgotten that too. I was grateful that that Zeph reminded us. Thank you, Zeph. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that Zeph had some nice stuff in this episode, too. I, I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed when, when Dutch was saying, like, oh, you know, we're going to keep the Jacobis out of this. Why? Do you miss them? Like, no. Yes. I, do they ask about me? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, she's like, have you done this before? I've read about it twice. Twice. <laughs> 
but but the thing about her line about the Jacoby is like, no, I don't miss them. Yes, I do. Do they talk about me? You know, it's it's a silly joke, but it's also showing her growing to be part of the team and becoming more incorporated. And I, exactly. I really liked, <laughs> I really liked her and and Dutch kind of going off by themselves for a little bit. And mm-hmm. I love just how much she's in awe of Dutch. Like when she when Dutch knocks down the door, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> she's just like, oh wow. <laughs> And then, you know, she says to Johnny, wait, don't heal it all the way. Scars are cool. Scars are cool. So I tweeted to Kelly McCormick. I said, scars are cool. As they say in Winona Earp, chicks dig scars. (laughs) I couldn't resist. (laughs) So because we want Zeph to have a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Hashtag get Zeph as a girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I also wanted to, since we we are alluding to to queer things, I enjoyed the 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 Garrett, the, <laughs> Garrett being hit on kind of by the the Farron guy and mm-hmm. not knowing how to deal with it <laughs> was pretty cute. Puppies, I like puppies. I like to nick the little sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, but where's Bree? We needed Bree in there for like a cute, adorable, flirty scene. So I I was like, oh. I was also curious why Pri's ex-boyfriend guy didn't come from the Farron. It was it was a different guy. Yeah, so I was it, a little confused about that. I'm like, wait, who is this guy again? And but then I was like, oh, the Farron. I'm like, why didn't his boyfriend come? That would have been an interesting scene between him and Garrod. It, it was confusing to me because I I knew that I recognized that guy, and then I realized he's just a Canadian actor I've seen a bunch of places. He was on Orphan <laughs> Black in season. What can four? it connect <laughs> the dots of the Canadian actors? Because there's only yeah. 25 of them. <laughs> but so. yeah, he was in Orphan Black season four. He played one of the cheek choppers, oh. and so I'm like, I recognize this guy. I feel like I've seen him before. It took me about two scenes before I realized, oh, that's not Pre's ex. This is a different guy. I recognize him from a different show. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I did really enjoy when he kind of gave gave Garrett a little like I, I see why Pre likes you. You're <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're a very interesting man. <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode of Killjoys. You can send them to us at killjoys at askgenretv.com. We love getting voice messages. We love them. We love them. Which you can send to us in a couple of ways. Record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us. Or call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. And you can follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at Killjoys Podcast. The Quad is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. To find our other podcasts about Orphan Black and Winona Earp and Lost Girl and some other shows, you can visit our website, askgenretv.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the Quad. <laughs>